got too embarrassed after wearing the same shirt twice in a row for you. So I'm just, I just covered up today. <laughs> That's fine. That's I, yes. I mean, I, it's also, I, I, I noticed last time too. It's funny. I guess you can tell like which of us is in, you know, uh, mass and which of us is in California uh, in, in late November. <laughs> yeah. Though it was like 60. I mean, this is really interesting, but it was, it was like 60 degrees last week. So we're quite, still, was that pretty, pretty, pretty balmy for this time of year? Yeah. We're, where climate change is, is happening. <laughs> it is real. Mm. Yeah, I got my Lucio Fulci, Lu- Lucio Fulci shirt on today. <clears throat> oh, okay. But it is Very too cold cool. to oh. show you. I, uh, off topic entirely, but I watched May, December last night. And do you know what that is yet? I don't think so. It's the new Todd Haynes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Very excited for that. It is good <laughs> can you is this a is this okay to to tease on the show um i could well that, that's uh, fine. i mean who Cause I, I don't know when this will be coming out it's coming oh that's a good point yeah i'm just recording so you know if there's anything you want yeah, to state yeah. this will probably just we, i think we've started so um, yeah, okay. what'd you think you liked it <laughs> i did i did um yeah i mean it's such a it's such an interesting kind of premise uh, of you know this this actress going to shadow this tabloid couple um, that she's going to be starring the movie about, and it's loosely these this tabloid couple is loosely based on the case of Mary Kay Letourneau and Vili Palau. I don't know if that is if those names are from your your childhood or not. I know I'm a little a little senior, um, but yeah, this was a Mary Kay Letourneau was a teacher um, in the '90s who had an affair with um, a seventh grade student of hers. Oh, this does sound and, familiar. I think yeah. I, yeah. And then she became pregnant. Um, and they actually end up having two babies together, both of which she had while she was in prison. Um, and then they actually were wow. together for many, many years after that. Uh so this is strangely this movie, um, yeah. related to Bridget Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All roads be back to Bridget. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a really interesting, tonally, it's a very interesting movie because it, it has moments of very sort of just like dark, campy humor. Um, and it's, 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 there's this term actress sexual, um, that many gay men resonate with, uh, where you just, just vibe on all things actress culture. Oh, okay. And this is, and this is just one of those this is like a hall of fame actress sexual movie because you're watching Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore sort of square off um and circle one another in this sort of psychological cat and mouse game um wherein Natalie Portman is is going to be playing Julianne in this movie that she's making and um and so she's sort of infiltrating her life um, and then we gradually get the sense that this actress may actually be like a bigger sociopath than Julianne's character. Um, and good it's casting. Just, it's, it's very good casting. It's a very like, it's a great, just like icy fucked up Natalie Portman performance. Um, what was your, um, Julianne, what was your first um, Portman? Like, Oh, okay. I, I'm cause I, I mean, maybe I'm just, maybe I was just being a real annoying teenager, but like, I did not really like her style of acting for a long time. And maybe, I don't know, mm-hmm. I might have been, I probably was alone on this one, but like 
have you always loved Portman or did you like have a moment where you were like, oh, hell yes, this is this is what I want from her? I mean, I remember being, you know, uh, impressed with her from a very early age with, of course, the professional. Um, but I think the moment that I became really convinced on her as a as an adult actor was closer. I think that's a lot of like that was sort of yeah. when she went from Star Wars to not Star Wars. Right. Or. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I guess I mean, Garden was... State was like maybe her. I don't. Know, I hate fucking. What do you? I fucking hate. I, I don't know. It's not. It's, <laughs> yeah. Not, not really like a huge think... take in 2023 to not be a fan of Garden State, but she didn't do it for you me know, in that movie. No, no. I mean, and I mean that movie. Her character famously inspired the the, the term manic pixie dream girl. Is that uh, that's Nathan... where that comes from? That's where that comes from. Yeah, Nathan mm. Raven, um, a film critic and um, um, culture writer, coined the term "manic pixie dream girl" based on Natalie Portman's character in Garden State. It's um, yeah because it was such it was such a, a just a perfect crystallization of this type that had gradually had been like popping up. I mean, forever right uh, in movies, but it became such it was so distilled so perfectly in that performance in that character. Yeah, and I think I think it's a source of some shame for natalie <laughs> i would hope so yeah i mean <laughs> i guess we knew it existed but it took the shins to like really make yeah. us actually know what to call it yeah i mean leave it to zach braff um yeah. to, don't to don't really... don't leave anything to zach braff. <laughs> leave, leave nothing no, he's fine nothing actually to this. Uh, oh my gosh no, i think i, I think okay yeah. yeah go ahead no, I think on Broad City once they had like some line about making fun of Natalie Portman in that movie, and then um, Abby and Alana said in some interview that Natalie like, reached out to them to be like, "I get it, I'm sorry," like, <laughs> and um, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, no, 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 no!" Like, we're sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, she is. It was. I mean, she was playing the character as it was written, and she happens to be a very capable actress, so she played it almost too well, and then it became this whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I was starting. I think what I maybe noticed was that just the industry sucked. I mean, it still sucks. But like Natalie Portman was, and like Kira Knightley, that whole era of like beautiful girls taking over, where yeah. just like Harvey Weinstein style people were probably in charge of like casting and creating stories. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, this is the weirdest answer. I didn't even really think about it when I asked you, but I think Thor was when I actually like really started paying attention to Natalie Portman. I think her performances in the <laughs> Thor movies have been fucking amazing. I love, she's really funny. Like, I think we saw a glimpse yeah. of it in uh, Between Two Ferns, but like, she's she's all, like perfect in Thor and I love it. Oh, sh she can be very, very funny. I mean, famously when she did the Natalie Portman rap back in the Lonely Island days of SNL, um, it is, I don't know if you've seen it, but it is. I haven't. It, oh my gosh. I gotta um, check it out. It is outrageously funny um is one of the very first lonely island digital shorts was natalie's rap okay and uh and she even had she was very good in if you remember after black swan there was this brief phenomenon where both female actors from black swan had dueling fuck buddy comedies to to assert their their <laughs> yeah. raging heterosexuality after the queerness of their storyline in black swan yeah. Um, Natalie had no strings attached with Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis did uh, Friends with Benefits with Justin Timberlake. And, wow. Uh, hard to say which of them yeah. really, uh, <laughs> really, um, you know, downgraded harder. 
<laughs> that's actually a good battle. Like we should, um, if you're interested in doing like a one-off sometime, I would love to watch both of those. I, and <laughs> I would, yeah, I would be down for that. I mean, this, it's it's a whole moment in time that I feel like we've just kind of just glossed right over. But but Natalie, despite Ashton, uh, <laughs> is is very very funny in this movie. Um, and uh, and cool. I also know that in May in May December she's very funny in a way that she hasn't really been funny before because it's, it's not written necessarily to be a comedy. Um, but she plays into this sort of actressy narcissism um, in this very, very, very funny way, but in a very subtle, very masterful way. Cool. Oh, I'm excited to check it out. I've been like having a hard time focusing on movies lately for some reason. So it, I think 2024, I've only watched like 90 movies this year or something pathetic or I don't know. It's It's an embarrassing year. I've just been, I guess, focused on other things, but maybe... I think I'm ready to get back into it. I mean, my yeah, my 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 ranked letterbox list for this year is is significantly lower than it was the last hmm. few years that I've done this. Interesting. So I, I'm right there with you. It's I, I feel like I don't know if it's that there's just been fewer movies. I know a lot of movies got pushed out because of the strike that only started a few months ago. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's maybe just a vibe this year. Just yeah, vibes are off. Yeah, I think they are off. I think that's true. Vibes are off. I don't know why yeah. I'm. I'm I'm hopeful that, well, hey, we have a beautiful election coming up, so that'll like really put us all <laughs> yeah. in a great mood. <laughs> for sure, 2024 vibes are gonna for sure yeah. be very breezy and conducive to culture. Well, maybe they'll be so bad, I'll just like sit in the basement and and we'll actually yes. engage with the. the <laughs> yes, we can all just go hiding and catch up on uh, all all everyone's top ten list from last year and be like, oh, that's what I missed. Okay. Yeah, actually, that's a. I should I should use Letterbox that way more. I don't really have many trusted people that like do much, so I'll start with yours and catch up with. By all means, that. yeah. It it has brought such meaning and order to my life to use Letterbox in that way <laughs> to just immediately like rank every new release I see on like a running list, and I I go back to it as a reference like daily. Yeah, uh, it is. And I mean, it can almost be. A problem because then when I'm watching the movie, all I'm thinking is, "What am I going to rank this on Letterboxd?" <laughs> I'm like, "Is this is yeah. this a three? Is this a three and a half? Might be a four. No, three and a half. Like I give fucking everything three and a half. I love it's, that. It's ridiculous. I was gonna because yeah. like I know some people take things very seriously. I had a friend who like ranked everything between like zero and three. But, like even <laughs> movies that he liked were just like twos. <laughs> that drives me crazy i know it's like did you like it did you have fun it's like automatically at least like a three and a half if you enjoyed it it drives me nuts i know i have people that i follow on there too people who i know personally who i'll be like looking at they're all like the star ratings for a movie based on all the people that i follow and it's like everyone's vibing it's all fours four and a half and you see this one three star rating this one asshole and i'm just like why are you like this yeah but that's the thing for them they're just like no that's like a high score for me it's like well then why are you so demanding with your scores what's it take to get a four let alone a five i'm not one of these people but i think what they're i think what's happening is they're like they have this idea of a five and they (laughs) they'll never see a five so that that like they restrict them from even getting into the four category because even that's too close mm-hmm. to this like perfect experience. Which is, if you care that much about movies, then like I would say all movie experiences are at least a three. Like, yeah, <laughs> unless you checked out, unless you like were more interested in like leaving the screen than watching it, then like if you sat through a movie, that to me is like automatically a, a three because you finished it and right. it was successful in some way that you engaged with it enough to want to get to the end. You stuck with it. You know, the people involved, they made it. <laughs> Just give them, throw them a three. 
yeah I'm a three yeah yeah if i if i'm going below a three in my ratings then it really is intended as like shots fired yeah i mean i i think i don't even know the last i think the last movie i gave it less than a three to was uh uh muppet christmas carol (laughs) (laughs) And, and and what did it do to push you into that negative space uh, it it took Muppets, which are wonderful in every way, and stripped them down to nothing and made the whole movie about Michael Caine being a total fucking asshole, but then like redeeming him without making him do anything. It was a very frustrating experience. <laughs> and did it, did it somehow get like Christmas Carol so wrong? Like, because obviously that is inherent to the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, which is who he's playing in that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He's doing a Muppet take on that. Yeah, he's Scrooge, and he's like, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read the book. I mean, or the story, whatever it is. Uh, it could be exactly yeah. what the story is. It's about like a fucking landlord who decides to just yeah. like be less, like still be an asshole, but maybe just like give right. more coal to people. It's like, there's a frustrating, <laughs> yeah. It- it's honestly, it's a fair critique of the original text to be like, okay, like, why redeem this man? Right, uh, he like, should be he... dead. <laughs> right, people should be like, making maybe... fun of his corpse. Yeah, this guy sucks. Right. Why, why does he get to be redeemed? Uh, you know, like he is a, an awful man, and now these three ghosts go out of their way to like show him the error of his ways. You know, it's like, okay, well. Right. But like, okay, but 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 why? Like, right. Why him of all people? Like, what about all the poor people who he's disadvantaging? Exactly. <laughs> the point of the story is that those people are, are all spiritually rich. But needs are spiritually poor. And right. It's about spiritual wealth. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the world unfortunately does not uh, work on spiritual wealth. <laughs> but we're here. Um, people are already familiar with my. Um, annoyances with michael Caine in general and with uh that movie but we're here to, to dive into the next era of bridget um fortunately no michael Caine to be found in the bridget jones films i mean i could see a world where he played her dad um but fortunately we have jim broadbent playing that role so fortunately he's like michael Caine would be such a bad dad like I, <laughs> he would be the worst i'm so i you know i have issues with my father but i'm just sort of glad he's not like michael Caine just seems like so removed even when he's being, I don't know, like, is there a role for Michael that you like, or like, oh, I can feel that he loves something? Mm, I mean, I guess Alfred, right? In Batman? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's, it's like, he's like, it's like a very like pater- doting kind of paternal figure. Well, he sort of um, just lets still very him... steely and British. Exactly. But, you know. He's a British guy, yeah. I guess. You can't really. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim's British. Colin's British. No, actually, Colin is like, total brit in this movie yeah he really he really goes full brit uh he goes full tory even which is really one of the most fascinating things about this movie yeah it's, is that it gets into british politics it does uh i didn't know what a tory was i thought it was like a truck and then i learned that <laughs> lorry that's lorry, a lorry yeah, yeah so <laughs> uh but it's actually that so i read the book i i did catch up yes. i read the first book i read the second book um, hats off I mean I, I'm truly in awe that you actually are reading these books like stunned I am too <laughs> <laughs> and you are now officially the expert on Bridget Jones because uh, I have not read these books in a long time and you just read them yeah I will admit that I did not finish three it was just like so fucking, it's not it's so bad I don't it's know not good it's not good they get into this whole section of like her trying to get on Twitter and it's like was this I this is like obviously not gonna be funny in twenty twenty three, but how could like describing Twitter in twenty 
2011 be funny? It wasn't funny. I know. It was we'll, tedious. We'll, we'll put a, we'll, we'll put a pin in that one until next until the next episode. <laughs> I guess so. You're right. Um, <laughs> but the book was good. I actually like this book better than the first book. Uh, yeah. I'm still. It's harder for me to get into the like. My my aunt sends emails the way this book is written. I don't know if this is just like a boomer. <laughs> I want to get your aunt's emails then. <laughs> well, they're not as funny, but they're like choppy and short yeah. when it's just like, you realize you're typing it like, like, to be generous, like 60 words a minute, you can like just type in full. This isn't- Spell out the words. This isn't like pre-war, like 1940s. You have to like save on, you're not spending a save right, right. every writing word. You're writing in shorthand. And, right. Right. Um, secretarial pool. So I don't think I'm like a huge fan of this just like narrative style, but um, sure. and I think that the humor is, you said this originally was written like serially in a newspaper. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Before the first book, it started as a serial featured in newspaper. And that's perfect. I think for me, like, and I read these fast. I like, I read these over the course of a couple of days. So I just sort of like dove in, uh, read them all. And then it's just like, <laughs> the jokes are very, it's based on that structure. So if you just spend like, yeah five hours in that structure it's sort of hard to i think these work really well as either a movie or as like a bite-sized chunk that you read once a week it's like oh yeah that's funny mm-hmm. nice work helen <laughs> did you, so just, do you find creeping into your own writing at all do you want to like use v a lot just like just keep abbreviating v for very i, I do that as a joke when i'm like feeling <laughs> saucy <laughs> <laughs> saucy v good v, v good, good. V yeah, saucy. exactly but it is funny vg <laughs> <laughs> yes yes pounds lost one vg vg <laughs> cigarette smoke and you know 23 be bad so what do you remember from the the book because it's pretty like <sighs> there are some things that they kept like scenes exactly and then a lot of it is very different i think a lot of it's very different so i would say that as i was rewatching this movie yesterday for the first time in a long i mean like i saw this in theaters when it came out 20 years ago um, and I honestly don't know if I've watched it again since then. Um, so it was wild to go back and revisit it. I think that this movie is a good illustration of a point I was making for the first one of the struggle to translate what to me is a very sort of absurdist slash mocking tone of humor in the books into a film where a, more of a premium is put on the humanity of Bridget and the other characters. And never is this more apparent than in the Broke Down Palace homage where she ends up in a Thai jail. Uh, (laughs) I do love that. I mean, obviously that's like the set piece of the movie, but you know, for basically the first moment we get to talk about uh, this movie as a specific thing, you just jump right to the Thai jail, which is, I mean, if you haven't watched the movie listeners, I think it's worth watching uh, to get to this moment. I mean, it is so, when you're reading the book, like, it's just, it's meant to be so heightened and absurdist that Bridget ends up in a Thai prison. Right. Um, You know, on the page, it reads, it's just this very, just silly, ridiculous, like, farcical, only to Bridget would this happen type scenario. Right. Um, And the movie, I would say, struggles with how to translate that in a way that makes sense totally. Absolutely. Um. And that is not racist. It's very 2003. Did not pass that. It's a very 2003 movie in that regard. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that it, there's, there's also a line in this film and I can't remember if it's Daniel or, or, or Mark who says it to her, the way he says something about like, you know, he's like, he's like, I'm always with you. I'm always laughing with you, of course, or, or at you, not with you. Um, I think it's, that's so sad that like, we can't even tell them apart. I know. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was Daniel says who says that, but um, it, it feels like a Daniel line. It, it definitely feels like more of a Daniel line. But that's but the problem with this movie is that Mark is like, mm-hmm. is sort of a, he's like a dick. He's like really yeah. a dick in this movie. So I don't yeah. know which of them said it because neither of them were very nice to her. No, no, they're not. Um, but I think that that idea of, I think in the books, you're always laughing at Bridget. Um, and the movies want you to laugh kind of more with her. And I think that speaks to some of that disconnect that I kind of keep harping on. Um, and, and, and you're still laughing with her in the books in the sense that she is meant to be this relatable figure that like anyone who's ever like tried to lose weight or been unlucky in love can like relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, at that same time, it still, you know, needs to ground her as this relatable, relatable heroine. But so, but to your point, a lot changed here, not least of which was putting Daniel Cleaver in far more right. of the story. But then not enough to actually like make it feel justified it's like he's in it for a few scenes that he's like barely in the book and then suddenly he has the whole thing but then he just like sort of vanishes in some ways it's yeah i mean i i love what you're saying about like the book because that's it's so humor is so different when you're writing and like especially when the race is involved like to have a joke about a white british woman ending up in a, a thai prison and you don't actually get to see it. It's just like from her own eye voice being like, this is what I did in Thai jail today. And it's like, it's funny because it's <laughs> it's like a, it's a fantasy that I get to imagine. And it's just sort of like, I only get one voice and I get to fill in the rest. And then suddenly you make that a yeah. visual joke and it's just like impossible. It like becomes such a different vibe that mm-hmm. you have to be a very skilled filmmaker to pull that off. And uh, I actually don't think I've seen anything else by this director. And I'm not meaning to, dunk on them but like mm. it didn't this did not work yeah i believe Beban kidron directed to wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar um okay. which is certainly a classic of the of of drag cinema okay um but uh but yeah that was that was about i guess not quite 10 years before this um but yeah no i i i I don't know how much of it is at her doorstep i don't know how much of it is on the adaptation right uh right you know and i noticed that there are four credit screenwriters um which means there's probably at least 10 more but that came from that didn't get (laughs) successfully negotiate uh their their writer's credits um so i think there was just a lot of panic to repeat the success of the first film because this first film of course as we talked about last week was a runaway sensation um that became an oscar nominee and so incredible like, well, how can we incredible like how can we repeat that great so first of all hugh grant he's still you know the, the bigger star than colin first so let's basically let's find a way to um, repeat nearly his exact arc from the first movie where suddenly they're working together again he also is at the tv station he's doing his own segments with you know and now bridget's working with him again and once again bridget is about to you know run off with daniel and then suddenly another woman walks in oh turns out he's cheating or, you know, right. has another lady lined up. Like, you know, it's a near, near word for word, the scene that um, they had in the first movie when Bridget finds the woman in his bathroom. Right, which makes no uh, sense because, like, at this point, it's strictly fucking. 
and he like right. even uh invites her to like join in the fun i mean i know it's it's 2003 <laughs> right. or whatever but it's like <laughs> right. it's, it's like who fucking who cares it's just he's yeah. a he's a he's a little boy whore and that's why we right. love him and right. it sounds like a fun fuck to have if even if it's like it's uh, yeah it's so weird because in the first one she wants it to be more and he he's like a creep and disrespects her but here he's like very upfront just like you want to come fuck in my hotel room and she says yes right. and it's like great mm-hmm. and right it's it's obviously he does not and give a true. fuck about her yeah right right and so and yet we're supposed to have this emotional investment in that moment for some reason um and then also it turns out that the that that's a boy in the room with him so that's hot yeah uh as, as, as he later reveals to, to mark as they're thrashing about in the fountain again <laughs> i love the re like in 2004 that joke was like oh no uh he had to fuck a boy and now it's like oh he <laughs> right. likes he's like he doesn't care yeah it's great right yeah he's very unbothered by it yeah he's yeah. very he's just like it would turn out to be a beautiful boy actually it's like oh okay yeah he's, uh, he's fine hot. either way yeah 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 he's yeah he's down to clown no matter what you know and that's why we love daniel cleaver uh he knows who he is He's not trying to impress. No respectability politics for old Daniel Cleaver. It's true. Uh, He's problematic, yeah. but we do still love him. <laughs> we do. We do. And we get more another shot of him sort of looking good, wet, in a button-down. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, fortunately, we have that. But, yeah, it's so there's that factor there. I mean, they, they, they radically alter the character of Rebecca. Oh, yeah. What did you think? So, so the Rebecca character is... This is... This is like the the classic um, screwball comedy. Like the whole ninety minutes is based on a thing that could e- easily be cleared up if the people just talk to each other. And I think that mm-hmm. format is very success for me. I'm often just sort of frustrated that they don't just like talk to each other. But I guess like real life, most people don't. The change to Rebecca is is is. I don't know. I, I was so like blown away by that change. Uh, I don't really understand. And like, they really went aggressive with it. So, yeah, yeah, what it's is- bizarre. Uh, and I sort and of it's also- liked it in some ways, but then like, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's and, and she is played by Jacinda from the Real World London, uh, who uh, was the, the London was the fourth season of the Real World. And Jacinda uh, was one of his castmates, and then oh. she went on to be to be an actor um, for a bit. I don't know that she's still actively uh, working, but at that point in the mid two thousands, she was suddenly working, and uh, so as a reality star turned actor in the role of Rebecca. And in the book, Rebecca actually is what Bridget thinks she is, which is sort of a romantic nemesis, you know, right? Uh, you know who who Mark is. You know Mark is 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 with. And, they they literally uh, start dating in the book, right? Yeah, they truly start dating. Whereas in this, she you know Bridget just assumes because she's young and beautiful, and Bridget is sort of inherently threatened by her, and she's around Mark that Mark is with her. Um, and then we have this very unexpected for any reader of the book reveal at the very end that she actually is a lesbian and is in love with Bridget. <laughs> Which I, I sort of like. I mean, I don't know. The book is like a little too boring. It's like they have this weird miscommunication, um, which I honestly, I think I might have been having a hard time even understanding what happened. Like she's caught mm. kiss, she she's caught kissing someone else or something, and then she finds. Oh a, yeah, wasn't there like 
Is that a party? It's like the boy, the son of someone at an estate, like someone's estate, and like someone's son, Sinjin, uh, or something like that, like is you know kissing her, and Mark is 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 mortified, and yeah, you know, I feel like the Britishness of the characters really um, sort of ramps up in this in this second book and film, in that lack of communication that you were talking about, right? Yeah, that just sort of they just they go they go stiff upper lip and they won't engage on an emotional level, and so they both just kind of go quiet and like can't bring themselves to to get into the messiness of the feelings, even though that's what they need to do to to communicate to right. to squash this beef. But instead, they both just clam up. Yeah, it's it's um. I mean, it's probably accurate in a lot of ways, but it's just as a narrative device. I'm like seriously when you're so if someone accused me of fucking rebecca my Mm -hmm. answer would not be i'm not gonna answer that question it's like wait what no rebecca wants to fuck you it's like it would have been so clearly just fixed in a second but i'm not Mm -hmm. british i never went to war (laughs) (laughs) i never got trench foot i don't really know what it's like to be british Right. Yeah, no. Uh it's 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 and and I think that it's depicted well from the performances from Renee Zellweger and Colin Firth. Um because it the, the scenes between them as they begin to sort of fray and come apart are very hard to watch because they are depicting that you feel the awkwardness and you feel the the heartache and, and, and disappointment from both of them. And also there's almost this fatalistic British sense of like, well, I could address this, but that would be breaking decorum. And so I yeah. can't. Yeah. And so now I just have to watch this person who I love drift away from me. And I can't stop them because right. that would require me to to make a scene. But and we've I learned don't want that, to, I, Sorry, yeah. but, but like Bridget makes scenes. So it's like, it makes sense that Colin's doing this, but when Bridget is like literally yelling at all, he's like calling people fat, bald, and like, yeah, we're, we're like, right. well, we're not cheering that, but we're cheering her disrespecting right. Tories. That's good. Right. Um, right. But then she like clams up when it comes to securing like a healthy relationship. I don't know. It's I guess she has different fears than maybe mm-hmm. a normal American, a red blooded American. We know what to. Right. We know what to do. <laughs> Have, yeah, we'll we'll scream in any situation, good or bad <laughs> or indifferent. We will we will point and shout and scream. But uh, well, and I think the the Tory scene also you know was clearly I think fashion is a callback to the book party from the first film right. um, where, you know, Bridget embarrasses Mark at a public gathering. Yeah. Um, and embarrasses herself by sort of rattling on and not realizing the context that she's in. Yeah. Um, I th- was that the one in the, in this, was it this book and that scene where Bridget is, she's wearing like the shapewear that then comes undone from both mm-hmm. sides and the guy that's around her midsection. Yeah. And looks like a, <laughs> Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just a, like a condom, like a, a rolled down right. condom. And he's like, "You've been jumping with my touch all night." Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's one of my favorite gags from that book. It's just just imagining this this happening. Uh, but but no, the 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 the, the politics of it is so interesting. Even though in the film, in the actual timeline when this movie was made, it was definitely after the bloom was off the rose of Tony Blair. Mm-hmm. But when the first book, when the books, when the first book came out, and even when the second book came out, because the second book did come out in, I think, 99 or 2000, because as we know, it was really, it was, you know, the Iraq war and the alliance between Blair and Bush that sort of tanked Blair, yeah. um, you know, in terms of his his legacy and his his sort of position he had had as the sort of 
labor inspiration leader. Um, but up until that point, uh, it was this kind of moment in UK culture of, of cool Britannia, um, where it was the Spice Girls and Oasis yeah. and Tony Blair Blur. and Bridget Jones was part of the yeah, Blur. And, you know, um, you know, so it was it was a time that labor had kind of never been cooler um uh you know especially i mean obviously margaret thatcher had been throughout the 80s and um yeah. so i think that you know that made it all the just to contextualize i guess for this scene how absolutely flummoxed bridget would be by the discovery that mark is actually a tory um you know and that and that i think yeah, it's just interesting you don't see that every day in a in a rom-com um totally actually the, the political ideology um comes into play and actually plays a huge role in dismantling a relationship that's so true i love that and i think that that's like one of the big flaws of this movie is that she should fucking break up with them <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah she's just like yeah, at the end it just kind of comes and goes and then you know then he then he helps her out um, you know, using some, you know, some questionable resources to, to help get her out of prison um, yeah. that he has that he has access to because of his privilege as a wealthy white Tory. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and she's just like, thank you. What did you <laughs> make of that let's, ending let's, where like he just shows up and is like treats her like shit. But then later mm -hmm. she finds out that he was like the reason why it all happened. I just like. These the gymnastics yeah. that this film pushes us through to get us to believe that they're having they're fighting with each other it's like why would he i, I just didn't get it i didn't yeah know, maybe, but... yeah i mean i i understand um you know the explanation that's offered which is that mark wanted to punish her um so that's why he showed up and acted so cold to her um, while she was in this unimaginably frightening situation. <laughs> right. um, well, I mean, it wasn't that uh, frightening. They did have a pretty nice time in Thai jail. Right, they did. Yeah, ultimately, she had a fine time. Uh, and, that's, and that's the funny thing I, I would say about watching this, that scene when, she, when he comes to show up, when he shows up for her when she's in the jail. Um, it did occur to me that I felt like the whole thing was being underplayed um, that, that she would be much more relieved to see him and that she would be much more scared. Um, because, I mean, at that point, she has been told that she could be in prison for up to 15 years. Right. Um, which is, and we're watching her in this jail, which is just, you know, everyone's packed in like sardines, sleeping on the floor. And, I mean, it is an unimaginably frightening prospect. Uh, it was also coming off of, I don't know if you ever saw Broke Down Palace. Um, this was a movie, it came out in the mid-90s, and it was a movie where, it sort of, it terrified a whole generation of white women who who were thinking about backpacking across a, uh, Asian countries. Okay, um, because it's about uh, it has Claire Danes and Kate Beckinsale as um, two uh, two friends who um, you know go to it may have even been Thailand and although also on the plane in this movie they show them reading The Beach by Alex Garland, which is another story about um, which became a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, uh, I've read the book. You know. Actually, yeah, I so, was trying to. I honestly didn't. I could not tell what book they're reading for some reason. Yeah, glad you picked yeah, that. Yeah, they're reading. They're reading the beach, and uh, which you know would have been a, you know a massive uh, book at the time as well. And of course, it's more one to one because it's a British author. And um, but uh, yeah, Broke Down Palace predates the beach, and uh, yeah, it's about two white women who are on vacation, you know, backpacking across Thailand, and and then wind up um, being arrested because they have drugs that was possibly planted on them so related to them this. And then they, you know, end up in prison and, you know, in the prospect of being in this like labor camp for the rest of their lives. And uh, so it was a whole, it was a whole sort of 
moment in time in like 96 or 97. Uh, so, which I think was the more the direct reference that Helen Fielding had in mind uh, yeah. when she wrote this scenario. Did you see um, Infinity Pool? I did see Infinity Pool. Yeah, it's I liked it. Another white people going to a, a weird <laughs> yes. place and sort of getting trapped there. It's a little bit different. Yes. But... Yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, like the the conceit of that film is just mind blowing. <laughs> I fu- I love mind blowing. I, love, I also love that movie. Yeah. I feel like it didn't get enough credit this year. I, I agree. Was, I was like, this is a, yeah. I don't know why people kind of slept on it, but I was like, this is a really ingenious movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's bold, bold movie. It takes big swings and I think it lands them. Yeah, I don't think they're, it's it's very fun to see these like filthy, I, I love filthy, wet, gross movies, as you can tell yeah. from my, mm-hmm. my uh, <laughs> one shirt that you've seen me wear. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I think that they're, uh, like, Lynn Ramsey is one of my favorites, and I think they all, like, sort of just create, all their movies feel like they're just, like, in this, like, wet pool that is hard to get out of. It's just very uncomfortable. I love uncomfortable movies like that. They're, like, physically uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, we just kind of, you feel somehow like yeah compromised almost <laughs> by by watching them you feel on um, you feel this there's this un this lack of ease that settles in and yeah you feel the 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 moisture <laughs> you feel the dampness you feel this kind of yes dankness fucking wet movies uh, are the best they are did you wait did you watch shiva baby no i haven't yet i i need okay. to go because i that- watched bottoms just sort of on a whim and f- i loved it i thought it was amazing we talked about that and i need to go and yeah. i need to check out shiva baby because it's i there's there's like a whole thing about like uh the 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 the, the moisture the perspiration in that movie it, it's thought of as like one of the like one of the most moist damp uh just anxious sweaty movies um so i, I think that you will vibe on that oh, amazing uh, i i heard that about because i did the grisham verse pretty recently i heard that about um oh, yeah. what is it the one about the guy that kills the other guy and everyone's like he did a good job <laughs> what's that one <laughs> time to kill please oh Rip. i was gonna say yeah I, I was gonna say a time to kill is a famously sweaty movie yeah it is and i wanted more i think it's i think that movie's too clean and wholesome for the sweat to like be more than just a prop mm. i think that's what like cronenberg well baby cronenberg brandon and, yeah right brandon and lynn yeah. are doing is like no, this is like you could get rid of the story, you could get rid of the dialogue, and you'd still like feel disgusting watching this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this um, headline from the Hard Times that I laughed at the other day. It says, "David Cronenberg writes script after seeing Bluetooth headset land on a hamburger patty." <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his new one. I was like, yeah, I, I really did yeah, not like I'm, his new one. No, I did not like Crimes of the Future. Real bummer. Um was not a fan of that people who were like oh five stars i'm like why how i don't it's, i'm not i'm not following yeah it's probably that same person that refuses to give five stars to anything <laughs> yes <laughs> like, what's wrong with that person yeah what are you doing this was bad there was like n- nothing oh he's i don't know i read uh, never mind i was about to say slime that's probably ageist but i'm just like a lot of old dudes doing shit that they used to do really well and it's just like maybe you could just take a break and let like it's okay. You don't have to like right. Cormac McCarthy's latest book. I thought was just like a meandering mess, and it's just like mm-hmm. I can just go and read 
the like yeah. the road again. I don't need to read this new one. It's, it's challenging. It's tough because I mean, like, it's possible, of course, to continue to make great art. I mean, like, Killers of Flower Moon is one of the best movies Scorsese ever made. Mm, I have to see um, it. I haven't, I, that's the I need to get that in the it list. really is like one of the best he's ever made and he just turned 81 yeah uh you know like it's and then even making a movie like wolf of wall street when he was like 70 um yeah. you know like a movie that coursing with that just this profane adrenaline it's true um so like, it isn't a, you know, yeah it's not like it's just like it's interesting to see this shift that happens and it's either who knows it's it maybe it isn't their age it's just the amount of time they've spent doing something so maybe they're just like really interested in they're just interested in stuff that I'm not interested in anymore is yeah. maybe the most um, yeah. political or like, th- yeah, nicest way to say that. Well, and I think the thing with Crimes of the Future too is that wasn't it famously a script that he had written like 50 years ago? Yeah, I think so. And he just like, and he just like dug it out of his drawer. He's like, oh, I'll make this. <laughs> and, like it. It, it, and it's not like, and it's not like the actual visual direction is flawed in that movie. Like it looks incredible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like it has that very Cronenberg creepy, icky vibe to it. Like you feel like as you're watching it. Um, it's just that the writing feels like it's not particularly strong. Like it's not, you know, oh, like it's yeah. an idea that right. So I think maybe if it was, I'm trying to think of the last great David Cronenberg movie. I mean, I love a history of violence. Mm-hmm. That era was nice. I was, yeah, I was not as big on Eastern Promises, but I know a lot of people love that one. I think. I mean, I like them both, but yeah, I think you're right. I like. I like um history of violence a little more yeah. it's nasty made it's like nastier very than, nasty yeah oof it's just like perverse uh and then there was a dangerous method that I was didn't a strange see it. one yeah i didn't see that and then you did cosmopolis too which i also didn't see oh, which, I, which i never oh oh fucking maps the stars yeah maps the stars is so fucking good okay i'll uh, have to check you want to talk out. about perverse <laughs> you want to talk about perverse you want to talk about Julianne Moore and one of the most balls out performances she's ever given. Amazing. Uh, yeah, she's good at that. It is. Oof. She she oh she is shocking in this Ooh. movie. She is shocking. It's got a younger Robert Pattinson. Yep. Nice. Yeah, Mia Wasikowska. Uh Great. it is. Yeah, it's it's not the movie overall is like it's not it's not a five star movie, but it has enough that works for it and enough just perverse touches that you're like, <laughs> oh my god. Uh yeah, it is it is. I mean, for her. Watch it for her. Okay. It is Hell yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I will I honestly she's one of those actors that I think I'd really sort of watch anything for her. I think yeah. I'll if she's in it and I know nothing else about it, I'll give it I'll give it to try because she's always amazing. I I famously am a Julianne Moore completionist. Um, really i oh yeah amazing every single thing she she's she's my number one uh and she has been my number one for like probably since 99 the the year that she had magnolia and uh four other movies end of the fair cookies fortune an ideal husband and map a map of the world um so that year that was the year that i was like oh okay she's like the best there is and um and she is not <laughs> and, I, and she is not she's not left that perch from me ever since oh it's wonderful so she did a map to the world <laughs> and a map to the stars she did she's out there mapping. <laughs> she did that's nice you know guess you a girl who can do both oh, that's so uh, good and uh she is <laughs> so what do you think do you like think that i feel like one of the other things is that you sort of get this in franchising when people aren't as interested i feel like people are just sort of phoning it in at this point in some ways and maybe it's that Colin's going a little more British and the, like the script is making him be like more closed off mm-hmm. 
everything feels more like a parody of the first one than just like a continuation of the story for uh-huh. me. But maybe I was just like in wasn't quite yeah. the right mood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it it does it does feel like more of a you know like like you like you're saying like we've been saying it's kind of a rehash of the first movie. Um, it tries to just sort of duplicate the first movie. Um, in in the hopes that people will watch it and and it will pay to see it and, then and they did a bunch of money like the first movie did fucking blockbuster success. It was like a it was forty million dollar movie that made three hundred million dollars in the box office. Yeah. So yeah, Pe- it, people were very excited for Bridget Jones to come back and. But this is also like the lowest kind of worst reviewed of the three Bridget films. Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, so I think that people people don't really go back to rewatch Edge of Reason the way they rewatch the first movie. It does not have that same just magic rom-com perfection that the first movie has. Yeah. I think and, you're right. That's what the and, first one does well is that it is a rom-com. This I don't this is yeah. not a rom-com. This is like a, a yeah. fucking divorce movie. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a it's a divorce movie that becomes a weird sort of like action comedy. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and it all feels so abrupt when this happens in the movie. I think the book sets it up a little bit more um, because you know we understand that she's just like wanting to get away um, with Shazer to get away from all the stuff with Mark. And yeah, in in this movie, it just feels like okay, now we're in Thailand, right? And, and now we're in know, jail, and, and she's like, yeah, right. It's, it just yeah, it it just doesn't it doesn't pace well. It's just not it doesn't it doesn't track. It's not it just it's not adapted well um at all. It just it loses so much. Um I, I wonder even, if okay, go ahead. No, I was gonna say like and I remember having this thought when I first watched it, and I had the thought again last night. And you know, and there's no sort of delicate way to say this, but I can see why after this movie, Renee was like, I'm not going to do the weight gain anymore. Like, yeah. I'm not going to gain weight for these movies anymore. Because, like, even though this was only, like, three years after she filmed the previous one, like, you can just tell it, it hit her body totally different. And, like, I'm sure, like, and she's getting, you know, like, we're all, as we get older, it's hard to lose weight when you have to gain it. I'm sure she's like, okay, I'm not going to fucking do this to my body anymore. It's not healthy. And, for this. you know, and it, it, yeah. yeah, for this, for a Bridget Jones movie. She's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Because in the third movie, I think that there's no no body modification at all um she's just i mean aside from what Monet had done to her 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 face in the ensuing years um but you know there's no more like bridget weight gain story by the time she gets to the third movie third one's crazy Um, we won't get into it now but uh from reading the first like quarter of the book wow no rom-com in the weirdest sense but we'll we'll get there next time yeah all right yeah it is no because the next one's the baby right well, yeah. Well, yeah. The ne- that, that that's the thing is that the next movie does not actually do the next book, right? So, so we you know, won't it, get. It, to... <laughs> it, yeah, it, it like it skips it near entirely. Uh, they just go in a whole different direction, and this ties into what was going on in Helen Dealing's personal life, and we'll we'll get into it. But, um, but yeah, no, it, it, you know, this is. Yeah, it just doesn't have the magic. It doesn't have the sparkle of the first movie. Um, you know, it just kind of tries to rehash the greatest hits down to, you know, like the Mark Daniel slap fight and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the running in the rain, the big music cues. Yeah. And it's, it tries it all. It tries to really just stick to the, it tries to make it a formula and to repeat that formula. And, you know, it just kind of, it just doesn't work. At least we don't get the same cringe inducing credit sequence at the end. 
uh, that's that's like the one the one improvement that this movie has over the first one is that it does not leave you walking away suddenly feeling very um gross yes that's true uh you just sort of have slowly been malnourished to being barely able to just sort of crawl away from this one it isn't quite the gut punch that the last one was but no. I think this one, the only funny, like I'm being really harsh on this, but I think the only like funny thing was when she like the running bit of her being annoying to Mark while he's in a room with like a bunch of uh, lawyer guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then like in some scenes, they like actually talk to her. And it's just like, that was funny. I think they nailed that bit that I was actually mm-hmm. laughing out loud. But <laughs> this is a, this is not a, there's like the first movie was funny. Like I was laughing every, every like 10 minutes or so, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't keep a, a log of it, but I felt I sort of was <laughs> consistently having a good time here. I yeah. was definitely like, you know, checking the watch. Like what the fuck is, is this, like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't have what, and, and just to, yeah, to put a pause in that specific thing. I'm so curious since you have now read the first book as well, what your thoughts are on the differences that the movie made to that book, mm. which I think we talked about the main difference is sort of the, the, the mom storyline is significantly different. Yeah. And I think, well, it's sort of to not answer your question at all, but it, I was just reminded, like, <laughs> I think what's interesting is that I liked the second book because I felt like the story was fuller. Like uh-huh, uh-huh. the first one felt like a series of diary entries. And I think that's hard to mm-hmm. capture in a movie. And when you're trying to yeah. translate that to the screen, it doesn't quite work. And the second book had like, a really big plot had a lot going on um and it was something that i could felt like really more invested in finishing than the first one which felt like i could honestly sort of read it in any order i wanted and still have yeah. fun with it um yeah and i but i think they failed because they got like so bogged down with trying to like really include a lot of scenes that weren't important and not sort of get the big arc of the story and they're like I spent the first 10 minutes with like her skydiving it's like really that's where you're gonna invest like a sixth of this movie is for like whatever the percentage is right. on just, that. Just to have a repeat of a shot of her ass flying toward the camera. Crazy. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think it's, I think the changes like were more understandable in the first, like the first movie made changes that, like, because it's a hard, that's a, that's a fucking hard story to, to make into a movie. So I think those changes like really were, we're trying to make this, a little like the mom story like we'll, we'll make it a little more concise easier to follow smaller and also still fit the themes that we're setting up with bridget's character so they like sort of mirror each other where the second yeah. one just like made changes to as you said fit the formula like we need daniel back why do we need daniel back uh, because he's like he's second build that's crazy right. <laughs> <laughs> he is is build over colin and it's like he's shouldn't even be in this movie but he's the draw he's my draw still (laughs) yeah yeah mine as well yeah yeah no it's interesting it's interesting because when you think about the first movie or the first book and the second book actually both have sort of an action finale um because in the first book it actually is much more dramatic what happens with pam because the you know at least there's like guns there's there's this man is like a criminal who she has run off with and it leads to this like tense showdown where there's guns involved um and the movie actually softens that considerably and just makes it that he's this bizarre buffoonish (laughs) you know tv presenter but mean Um, and like really right really cruel and i think that like i like that change it's like it's 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 like verbally abusive 
and someone that mm-hmm. she wanted to change and turns out he's like he's just like a piece of shit he doesn't need to have guns right. to be the piece of shit that makes her realize that she should be yeah. back with someone who actually likes her right no it's true and it's a great point that you made that like it does make it more of an echo of bridget's journey you know sort of between mark and daniel it's sort of played out also by pam's journey between colin and um the tv guy um although i do think that the action-y version in the book does make the whole thing more farcical which i think appealed to me as a young reader totally um because like the kind of just the, the hilarious farce of it all just kind of pushes it into this this more heightened comedic territory yeah actually um, that's what's this, fun this felt... is that yeah, like the book yeah, exactly. is like i wouldn't want that to be different in the book like they the people read the book mm-hmm. turn into the movie realize this isn't a scene that i think is going to work and like that fa- <laughs> like and that's what the second one like when they go to jail right. it's like that is a scene that they should have had that same like oh visually this is going to translate really badly so maybe we should just like skip this part (laughs) yeah how do we how do we approach this yeah translation and adapt adaptation are like really cool and i i i I, yeah the the movie the first movie i think i liked it a little better than the book i think they did a great job like figuring out what the story was and how to turn it into a movie yeah, I could see that. And I think I think at the top of this this episode you said such a great thing, which is that like comedy on the page is so different than comedy on film. And I think that it's so rare to have a comedic book get adapted for the screen. I feel like most movie comedies are are not based on books. It's yeah. just an uncommon thing. Like comedic literature is not a big thing in general. Like there's not, you know, it's which which is much to my dismay because I mean, you know, comedic books are my favorite, and there's just not a ton of them. And the ones that are out there tend to not get adapted because I think this very thing, which is that there's it's there, it's so ineffable what makes you chortle to yourself when you're reading something on the page. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then how do you translate that into something that you're watching and listening to, and to somehow convey the same humor the same way? Like it's just different. Like you know, like the cognitive process of reading is just totally different. Yeah, and then and the jokes that come out of that medium is really different than watching it. Yeah, I think right. Douglas Adams. Like I honestly feel like Helen mm-hmm. Helen Fielding and Douglas Adams have a, a lot in common. Mm-hmm. And the movie translations of Douglas Adams mm-hmm. books are not very good. Or I guess there's just one movie. Yeah, the radio right. show is good, and the yeah. TV show is fine. But it's like. Yeah, it works best when you're reading it because of that. Like the punchlines are built for that, and it's you have to like right. really start over if you're turning it into a movie. Yeah, and the humor is also just in the writing. It's in the word choice. It's in the, it's in the specific word choice and phrasing, and especially I mean like you know British humor books are on another level entirely just because it's just like that clipped British cadence of writing. Yeah. Um. And the and the self deprecating humor and just like all of it, it just like it it just it reads so funny and maybe this might maybe specifically as american readers like it hits us like as being funnier than if it's just your own native kind of national voice yeah um but you know like the just like the 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 self-deprecating british tone in the bridget jones books is part of what made me always laugh at them so much yeah and and that just doesn't really come across in visual storytelling right especially in a character that we're supposed to like want to feel like happy about her choices care about. And, yeah care about like, right no we sorry bridget i really am... <laughs> you make bad choices and it's funny when you make bad choices not oh i hope that like especially this movie's like trying to make us want her to make bad choices like colin is obviously the wrong person for her and yeah, that's it's, yeah it's bad 
You know, yeah. another reason why this movie is a failure for me is that my my MVP from last episode is just like erased from this movie. And they're in it, but they're like, friends. oh my God, the three friends are so fun. Yeah. Such a vital yeah, part of no. the first movie. And they're like, yeah, they didn't make the cut in this one. And it's really yeah. sad. It's very true. They mostly end up on the cutting room floor. And now you've read the books, you see, I mean, there's so much more of the three of them. Yeah. Um, and you get such fully developed sort of like, you know, because she so much of it is her recapping phone calls that she would have with each of them or going out to drinks with them and what they all would talk about. And, you know, you just get such a just a, a hilarious, vivid impression of them from and, the books. Yeah. And that's such a big part of the second book is like Mark is more sort of feeling inadequate based on her friendship. And that's totally mm-hmm. not even in this movie. They're like he's mm-hmm. she's always right, taking their true. phone calls and listening to their voicemails and and hang out with right. them. And yeah, it's like that's an actual relationship issue is when right. you want to hang out with right, someone. That's relatable. Yeah. And this they just like totally got rid of yeah. them and that whole conflict, which is such a yeah. better story than uh right. a, a fake lesbian or whatever. <laughs> right. I know, I know. I can't even call it a win for representation because it's just so out of left field. <laughs> yeah. And it just feels so kind of tacked on. It's just like a like, oh, let's just throw this in for fun. Like that'll be sure, okay. And right. you know, and Bridget rolls with a kiss well enough. Um but, uh but yeah, I mean I mean then Shazer of course goes to Thailand with her, but they but right. you know, is is again is barely on screen. Yeah. The, the whole Thailand trip is so compressed. We barely even meet Jed. Uh, you know, like he's on screen for like 10 seconds before you find out that he's actually the linchpin of an entire storyline. And then we never see him again. Uh, and then he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's too much. This, this is a, this is, should have been like either a mini series if we, but then it's, <laughs> yeah. I think it just would have been hard to get through. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, it's a swing and a miss, swing and a miss. And, but, I, but I'm glad that you enjoyed the book uh more even than the first book uh because i i agree i think the second book is just it it takes the humor and voice that she cultivated and sort of honed in the first book and it does and then it transposes it over a much more developed plot yeah um and so in, in that way it does sort of make the second book like the pinnacle of the bridget book series well i will try to get actually that's true so i read the wrong book or I didn't. Well, there, fit. there is there is no book for the third one. There is no book. Oh, there isn't. I thought there was. Okay. That, there is a third book, but the third book there's no fourth book. There's only the third book. Got it. Um, and the third book is not the storyline of the third movie. So that's that's why it's so fucking weird. Um, what happens after this moment in this franchise? Like, this is the final. This is the second, the second and final episode that we are going to have. This a linear one to one book to movie. Um you know, comparison to make because after this, the book made such a drastic decision about Mark in the third book that the third movie does not make. So weird. So it's there's really it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. There's a book (laughs) that was written in 2016 called Bridget Jones's Baby, The Diaries. Yeah. But and then wait, when did the movie come out? We came out like not long after that. I think they were maybe in development around the same time, or you know, let's say Bridget Jones Baby. So Bridget Jones Baby came out in 2016. So the yeah. there is a book, or is there? Is it? Yeah. But it seems like it was came out the same year as the movie, so maybe they were written together. I don't know. It's very confusing. Yeah. 
Oh no, so it's, it's a media tie-in. It's not a real it's not a real thing. You're right. It's it's fake. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's so a fake book. So there is a Money. book, but I think it was written for the movie. Bridget Jones' Baby, The Diaries, Bridget Jones' Man. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. Well, this is so interesting. Um, this is so I don't even know if I realize that they did that because they you're so mad about the boy is the actual third right, book, the one that I started the series. to finish, which right. they are going to and be then, turning into the fourth movie in the next couple of years. I mean, I'm very curious to see if that happens or not, because I was looking for like any article about that and I, and I couldn't find any. It's not on like it's not on my IMDb for Renee or anything like that. So, I'm oh, just like, no. Yeah. So I'm like, I guess we'll see. But but yeah, no, this is so interesting that I truly didn't even know that they did a movie tie in um, uh, for the third movie. That is just bizarre. <laughs> that is so deeply bizarre. Well, it sort of makes sense that the they would be making the 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 final one now because it's about her as like a fifty year old, so it actually right. times out really well with Renee's. Like that would be fun if she came back and talked about her, yeah. corp, her corpse husband. And <laughs> I know, I know. I think it would be it would be a really interesting way to 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 take it. Um, so I mean, I, if it does happen, then of course I will show up and I will watch it, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I, at the time when the book came out, it was, and we can get into this more next time, but yeah, it was just a massive shock to the fandom to be like, I'm sorry, you did what now? You killed Mark Darcy? Like, <laughs> because you got divorced in real life and so you wanted to kill off your romantic lead? That's, um, uh, pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of it's kind of almost admirable and it's like fucked up perverse trolldom uh right <laughs> for the fans who they're like this is not what we come to these books for I though guess so. this is not this is not like the rom-com comfort food now suddenly we're talking about death which is hard to do um comedically um That's and true. which the book certainly doesn't figure out uh i think it's i mean yeah maybe well i'm sure we can talk a little bit now and we'll get more into it hopefully in the next <laughs> in 2025 because i there a year ago um helen said that they were in development to make a, a fourth movie mm. um and it would be oh, this yeah. this book but um i oh, like that development like, doesn't always work out i know yeah. we'll see could, what happens that could have been her trying to man- could have been her trying to manifest it by saying it in the press oh, that'd be good um <laughs> But yeah, she's like, I, I like that because I think for me, the joke is that Bridget isn't a very like, like she's not a person that we're supposed to be like rooting for. It's funny that she sort of mm-hmm. makes all these mistakes and watching it happen. And then like the fact that her shitty husband dies, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't care about Bridget. I just sort of want to see, like, honestly, that sounds like a much more compelling uh, conflict to overcome while she's fucking some like 25 year old and trying to get Twitter followers. like. This could be a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know. I mean, I would I would watch the shit out of it. Um, yeah. And I mean, and now Renee is like kind of acting again because that's the thing is that this the third movie was made when she was almost like almost absent entirely from from screen acting. Like right. She just was gone for a long time, and then she came back that's and she right. managed to win a second Oscar um with the judy carlin movie which just came totally out of the blue yeah and that was such a weird kind of his that whole like what where did like what's wrong with renee's face thing that happened that year right that was very strange yeah 
Yep, yep, yep. And then, I mean, that that was a big part of a lot of the reviews for Bridget Jones 3 um, was like, she looks different. Hmm. You know, which obviously, I mean, like, there's discourse and counter-discourse and counter-counter-discourse when it comes to talking about that. Um, but, you know, but yeah, I mean, she she looks different in the yeah. movie than she did in the first two. But also time had passed. That's true. And she had uh, a baby. So Bridget baby. Jones's baby. She had Bridget Jones's baby. <laughs> That'll take a lot out of you. It does. It does. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I would absolutely still watch the fourth one. I know we'll have a question coming up about, <laughs> you know, is, um, you know uh, is, it, is it done yet? We'll um, find out. Well, we'll be yeah. the first to... I have a Google alert or whatever for for um, for Bridget Jones. I get a lot of notifications now. <laughs> I think I said it a little too broadly, so my phone is now just buzzing constantly. But um, I'm sure I will know when the fourth movie is released and maybe watch oh it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know. Well, if if that happens, then 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 I'll I'll fly across the country and we can go see it together. And then, that would be and then amazing. Tape an in-person episode where we respond to it immediately. I can't wait. Now we've, we've we're putting all this work in, so we have to we have to see it through. This is great. All right, this is uh this will be so fun. All right, every <laughs> Helen Renee, um, yeah, you better yeah, do invited. this for us. Um, I have a very clear MVP for this movie. I don't know if it was okay. if you have one picked. I'd be happy to share mine. Go right ahead. Um, Daniel is for me the like only. It's weird because he's like, they tried so hard to recreate the first one and they sort of just brought him back. And, you know, I guess that's the power of Hugh Grant and Daniel Cleaver is that it's like everything else sort of didn't work and he's still fucking the star of the show. I, I, I loved all of his scenes. He's snarky like he was in the first one. Just like he he made me like, oh, the first one was funny because of the like the energy that everyone brought to it. And for some reason, the director here was like, what if you were all very quiet and muted? And then Hugh's still coming in being a dick and it's like, okay, I felt at home in his scenes and uh, Mm -hmm. earns the MVP for, for Bridget Jones too. Yeah. 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 I mean, this movie also is that sort of, we're talking about how the first movie feels like it's still made in that nineties rom-com heyday. Yeah. Whereas this movie, we've crossed the Rubicon, we've passed 9-11, we're into the Iraq war. And this movie is made in that generation. Right. This is Dark Knight. Or no, not quite Dark Knight. This is Batman. The first Batman had come out, I think, right? right? Or or I think it's like, I think, was the first Batman in like 2006? No, maybe I'm wrong. I think you're right. We're closing in on it, but no one is out there. No one is already, no one is making movies. Yeah, he's Um, mementoing it. Yeah, it's Insomnia era Nolan. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, so I mean, it's just a different, a different, era at this point um you know and so you kind of feel some of that 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 sort of well it's interesting i would say this like post 9-11 darkness except that's the thing is that pop culture post 9-11 got like goofier and and more vapid and silly than ever i guess right. as an escape kind of as a you know as like a defense mechanism almost like okay now we just need to like make everything just as absolutely stupid as possible um and uh, whereas this movie actually does like settle into this kind of melancholy um but but we still have Hugh Grant there like you said you know he's sort of he's he is this one through line and he still fucks and you know and that's great we we love him for that (laughs) um he is he is you know and and you definitely don't even though you're like okay well he's not in the book this much it's not like you're still you're like 
I'm happy to have him though. I'm, uh-huh. I'm happy. Yep. Good I'm happy to have him. E- yeah. e- even though, even though, as we talked about, like there's so much plot that's in the book that doesn't make it to the movie, and a lot of the plot further gets jettisoned so that you can have more Daniel Cleaver. Um, but yeah. you know, but it, but, but it works. The first movie's um, horny. Like I feel like yeah. people want to fuck. Everyone wants to fuck in the first one, and here it's yeah. just like a fucking dead. It's so just yeah. Like, it's fuck yeah. free and Daniel comes in and is like oh yeah these movies are about people like wanting to fuck each other and it's funny and fun right. and and then right. it's like nope like, it's just about like British goons just just <laughs> like staring at each other I know just glum like I mean the fucking is the key is the root of it all and that's why Bridget wants to lose weight because she wants to go fucking she wants to feel confident about herself and she wants to feel sexy so like you know that's why she wears the tries to wear sexy panties that keeps ending up in the mummy pants you know, like she is all is all coming back from like her desire to fuck. And, you know, Mark was horny for her in the first movie. Yeah. And Daniel is horny at all times. So <laughs> friends are horny. Everybody is horny. Um, and then, yeah, and this one, it definitely is like this kind of, you know, to use the, the old phrase, lesbian bed death or something has sort of set in. Um, and, and Bridget and, and, and Mark are kind of not very affectionate. And then, of course, they break up and there's really no thing that takes over from there sexually. But. No, yeah, that's a good point. The horniness is sorely lacking, even though the 2000s culture was more horny than 90s culture. <laughs> yeah, and even like the scenes where they're in bed together, they're like, they just sort of wake up and look at each other. And then there's the weird one where she's like under a sheet, and it's like, it's sort of, it's just sort of weird. And but it's not sexual. Yeah. It's just, it's no. And she talks about that in the book too, just like the awkwardness that she starts to feel creep in between them. Yeah, I remember she's like, you know, she there's <laughs> some analogy that stuck in my head is when she's like. You know, she's like, I, I took, I climbed onto the kitchen stool next to him awkwardly as if I was Petula Clark about to sing a duet with Andy Williams. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> just these, these, these one-off lines are just so good in the book. They don't make it into the movie, but, but yeah, no, it's true. Those things are missing. Those things are missing. Um, so do you have an MVP? My MVP for this one is actually the soundtrack. Uh, the, the Bridget Jones 2 soundtrack I had on CD um, when it came out <laughs> and and I listened to it quite a bit. And as I'm watching this movie, the thing by far gave me the most joy was hearing all the songs from the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, which I was just openly singing along to uh, throughout. And it's it's just a very 2004 soundtrack. I mean, you have like Rufus Wainwright doing a duet with Dido. Yeah. I mean, it's a moment in time. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, you have Mary J. Blige covering Elton John. Uh, you know, you have Jamie Cullum. Uh, you have Jamelia, all these different Brit- Robbie Williams, all these different British singers of the era. Wait, is the opening uh, is the opening a cover of like a James Bond song, or am I making that up? What is the you're the best? Is that a James Bond theme? Oh, 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 wait. Um, uh, uh, what song plays over the beginning <laughs> when she's when she's no, soaring through the air? Oh, no, that's oh yeah, that, no, okay, so that was the original song, the Carly Simon. That's the original Carly Simon. Nobody does it better. Nobody does it better. Um, so, is, but am I mistaken, or is that like something to do with James Bond, or is that? It is. Yeah, that's a James Bond song. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and Carly Simon, that's her original version of it. Um, and then we have a lot of Beyonce, Crazy in Love is used um, liberally uh, in this. Lots of yeah. Crazy in Love. We all thought Edgar Wright uh, was so cool for using Primal, but no, fucking Bridget Jones <laughs> used it first for her mushroom scene, which was a great, yeah. great song choice yeah. for that. I mean, I guess it's a little on the nose with the like, we want to we want to get fucked up and have a fun right. time. Yeah, but it's a great, yeah. Right. Good soundtrack. We have the Sade, Your Love is King cover playing over the end. I mean, it's, yeah, the soundtrack is my MVP. It gives me the most joy for this movie. Which is interesting because your first MVP was um, that one. Oh, that's true. That one the song. Moment. 
the musical moment. I like this. I think that's something that isn't at all in the books. And I think that's like where this movie can be most successful is when it's really playing at being a movie and not trying to just be right. a, a book or trying to be the next Bridget Jones movie. It's like, how can we make a fuck? Like, I just want to watch a movie, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, like to have, you know, make it cinematic. You know, yeah. Just, yeah, where those big music cues come in. Yeah, um, and, there's, and they hit. Yeah, they really, and you know, in that first, like we said last time, like that, that song sequence of her singing along to All By Myself is like, when you realize like the movie is, oh, this movie is actually going to work as a movie as opposed to like a stilted adaptation, whereas yeah. this is a stilted adaptation. Yeah. And I guess as racist as it was, um, the, yeah. the, the Madonna song is still, yeah. you know, still good scene, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which again was know. like, like, it's funny. It was funnier when I was picturing it in my head, reading the book than, and then exactly. actually seeing it play out. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the scene where she's like, man my boyfriend sucks and they're like oh my boyfriend like oh, yeah. beats me and makes me take drugs and yeah. shit and that's like i think that's funny i honestly i think that yeah. that is a funny scene it, and it's, it's like, like it's like a double-edged sword that scene right <laughs> you know it's like because it is like it is funny because it it, it calls out bridget's sort of her privilege yeah. and her obliviousness and her entitlement um while also you know, perhaps criminalizing people of this country. Yeah, totally. Right, exactly, so exactly. But I honestly, I sort of give it credit for at least like attempting a joke, which this movie fails so often mm-hmm. at even writing jokes. Like it, right. it's, it's a complicated yeah. joke, but hey, they went yeah. for it. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then her, her, you know, her delivery of like, she's like, well, yes. And he was, you know, he, he was, he was, he didn't defend, stick up for me with all these lawyers and, <laughs> And she's like, and, and you know, beat me and maybe take drugs. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, she gets like, it. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. To play that line for the humor was, yeah, it, it works. And so I, I thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, that was, that was, that, that was a moment that I, that stuck out to me when we, when I watched this yesterday. Yeah. Um, are you asking when will it end? <sighs> you know, at this point, yes, I am asking when, when it will end. I, you know, I was so excited coming into the second film and, um, and then by the end, you just, you just know that nothing good can come from this franchise going forward. Like you just know that, okay, like it's over. It should not continue. They are not going to find, they're not going to find a way to like spruce the old girl up and make it magical again at the first movie. Like it's just going to get worse from this yeah. point forward. You just, you just know, you just know in your bones, there's no way this will get better. Damn. Yeah. I think it's funny. You brought up that scene in the first one where you're like, Oh, this is going to be good. And I do think the parachuting scene in this movie is like, this has, I mean, it's a silly phrase. This has jumped the shark. We have now like, this is not going to be fun. (laughs) This is going to be bad. And I am also not, I'm asking when will it end? This is like, I don't know. Yeah. How can they recover from this? And I know that the old crew's back. They get, um, what's her name? Sorry. I've forgotten the director's name of the first one, but she comes back. Uh, Sharon McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm hopeful I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm sort of done, but for the sake of the podcast, I am optimistic and hopeful that like they sort of see what they did wrong. Years go by, right? Mm. This, the, the movie comes out in 2016. Over t- yes, yeah. yeah, 12 years. So I hope that like this is treated more like a reboot than a sequel to two. And maybe they'll, mm. though, yeah, we'll see. I know nothing about it. I haven't read the book tie-in and uh, I'm just going in blind and hoping for the best. 
Were you sad that the Colin Firth interview from the book did not oh, make it into this movie? Thank you. Let's close out with that because I, I texted you. Um, it was my letterbox review is this. I, I was so fucking excited. I was like, they did this on purpose. They they are going to play, like, did you see um, Ocean's 12? Mm-hmm. Remember the scene where Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts? That's right. I forgot about and that. And that scene is so fucking fun. And I love that, like, for no reason, like, hey, you look sort of like Julia Roberts. <laughs> Maybe you should pretend to be Julia Roberts. And not like just like cross-dimensional <laughs> filmmaking is wonderful. Yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to do something similar. Maybe cast or like in one of the Marvel movies and like one of the Thor movies, they get like Matt Damon to play. Right, um, right, right, right. And I was like, maybe they're, they're doing gonna, like the reenactment. Right, right. And they'll, they'll cast mm. someone funny to be Colin. Like, who yeah. would be a funny, like, 2004 get to pretend to be Colin Firth? It's like, they could have so much fun with this. And obviously, this movie was not trying to have fun because they just took it out of the fucking movie, like, entirely removed it from the movie. Mm-hmm. What yeah. a fucking letdown. Well, well, and apparently, they did film it and it's on the DVD as an extra. Um, okay. Yeah. So I wonder if it's on YouTube. I'll try um, to watch. But, but they got Colin. They, they interviewed Colin. Yeah, first. I think they, they they filmed. Yeah, they filmed uh, her and the characters Bridget interviewing uh, Colin. And I think supposedly when they did that scene in the book, Helen Fielding did actually sit down with Colin Firth and go into character as Bridget Amazing. and have this sort of back and forth with him. Um, and that's sort of where a lot of the, the the transcript comes from was from an actual sort of conversation that she had with Colin Firth. But it's a great. Uh, but great yeah, scene no, it's it's. It's a it's a hilarious scene, even right down to like, just I mean, it's again the hilarious relatability of Bridget is like her procrastinating as a writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> to the point where she they just have to run a full transcript that makes her look like a <laughs> psychopath. Um, <laughs> yeah, the moments where she's just like keeps asking me like how many times you had to take the shirt off and like. <laughs> and that's and just, like her scene... moping whenever he brings up his his Italian wife. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And that's a scene that I think they could have like literally just turned that transcript into dialogue and, and it would have been a funny scene like what are they doing you don't have to do any work <laughs> helen did all right. the work even if it was you. just audio i know even if it was just audio even if it was just like her sitting with another like my, my, a partial mvp for me is actually the guy who plays her her manager at the tv station right i feel like he's always the way he's always <laughs> registering his just sort of like his dissatisfaction and dismay is always very amusing to me um, but even if it was just her sitting there in his office and we're listening to audio of her talking to Colin Firth. That's a great, um, great idea. You know, and, and he's just like watching, we're just like watching his reaction shots and then her kind of staring at the floor. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that, that would have been a great scene. Uh, but alas, that's, that's some other version of the movie that we don't get to watch. <sighs> but I think, I mean, that's the problem with this movie is that they were not in the right headspace, like to, to choose to include the parachute and the prison and then mm-hmm. avoid at all costs this like like meta comedy gold as though it's oh yeah. my god what a it's really one of those yeah. moments where you like uh, you sort of want another version of life like you want a biff yeah. world i want the biff world like i would go to biff world <laughs> if that existed there <laughs> i would take everything else that was wrong with biff world if they had that scene in bridget jones too yeah, yeah, no, it's tough. And you, and you got to wonder how much studio interference there was this time, too. Um, since, like, now you have, I'm sure, Universal being like, okay, this is now a major tentpole for us, and we need to make sure that you guys make this as likely to repeat the success of the first one as possible. That's too, that's too meta. 
that's too avant-garde. You know, it's going to confuse people because he's in the movie. He can't be in the movie also as himself. Like, you know, because right. I'm sure Soderbergh with the Oceans movies got a lot more like director power. Absolutely. Than like, you know, than, than the series were letting the women who directed these movies have. Yeah, so, you're, you're right. And honestly, people, I think, hate Oceans 12, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love not it. the most popular one. It's, yeah. my, it's my favorite of the, of the bunch by far. Mm-hmm. It's like, it does the thing where it's like, Oh, you like the first one? Well, fuck you. And I think that's like a really, that's a power move when you're franchising is to be like, no, I'm actually having way more fun doing something else. And Mm -hmm. maybe you'll want to like see that we don't just need to keep looping back. Yeah. But we'll see. I'm excited for the loop back with Sharon and hopefully the friends come back. I'm just, I just want everyone to come back. I want Daniel (laughs) to come back. I want some, I I just want them to be reborn into the new baby. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I'm looking forward to rewatching the third movie because I think there's another one that I only watched once in theaters, and that was it. So great! I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing what we both think about it. Mm. Did you um? Do you haven't had a new? Well, this is going to come out in like a month or so, so there'll probably be a new binge episode that I can listen to. But <laughs> here's hoping. I hope. So. <laughs> I uh, yes, I I did uh, ask Rebecca if she was available to come and join us on this or the next one. And she said no, which Great. means we won't be taping a binge episode either. Uh, so that's how that <laughs> so works. Chances yeah. are slim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll have a new one by then, or we'll just skip to our year-end episode, and that'll be out by next March, and then we'll just keep going from there. <laughs> Great. Well. Um, oh, by the way, this is Jason. Um, great, great podcaster. So happy that you uh, wanted to join. When will it end? And your final episode's coming up. I hope. Yeah, this yeah. is a, this is going to be big. You know, you came in and it's already over. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's so uh, quick. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's 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 about it's about the fun we had on the way. That's you true. Know? That is so true. It's like a, such a Bridget way of thinking about how awful <laughs> life is. Right. Be good. Be good. <laughs> <laughs>